This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. So coming up on the show, we're going to catch up with our pal Joe Nocera, Bloomberg Opinion columnist, bestselling author, podcaster as well. We're going to talk a lot about the NCAA. So let's start there among ourselves, gentlemen, which is college football. What a season it has been. Uh, Some bumps and bruises along the way, to be sure. But we are going to have a playoff. And true to form, nothing goes according to plan here in 2020. So the Rose Bowl, usually in Pasadena, California, it's going to be in Texas. Lynchy, doesn't feel right. (laughs) Well, the Rose will all be yellow down in Texas, right? Yellow Rose of Texas. There I go. There we go. Ba-boom, ba-boom, (laughs) ba-boom. Well, at least they're going to play. I yeah. mean, it, there was a time last spring in uh, early summer when the three of us sat on this show and just said, there's no way this is going to be able to play. You're not going to be able to keep 75 kids healthy. And uh, some leagues uh, obviously did not uh, play football this year. But three started, and then two power conferences says, well, we're not going to get left out of this. Yeah. And now all five power conferences uh, jumped in. Eventually, Ohio State you know, didn't have enough games, but they sound, somehow finagled their, the, the league finagled a way for them to get into Funny the how that happens. championship game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> when I looked at what, what, the, uh, uh, what the payout is, the conference gets for a team that is in the college football playoff, now I understand why. I think it's about $6 million per school if you have a representative in the college football playoff. Well, and I bet this is going to come up with Joe Nocera, but, you know, Michael Barr, it does make me think if you're sitting in Columbus, you're happy. If you're sitting in Cincinnati, you're furious because your Bearcats went 8-0 and and they're nowhere to be found in the playoff. And you, you know what else? It, it really intensifies and magnifies the old argument, hey, our team played our heinies off, and we didn't even get a notice. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had this argument in the past, but especially now in a COVID-era-related game trying to play through this, that it's not fair to some of the teams that have really worked hard to go undefeated, like you mentioned, and, and not even get a nod. Yeah, I mean, the Power Five just has a stranglehold on this college football playoff. Um, that's a whole debate for another day, although one we're going to have a little bit later on uh, with Joe Nocera, as I mentioned. Meanwhile, one of the leagues that did do pretty well amidst all of this is the NHL. And just like the NBA, they are getting back to business. A 2021 season for the NHL starting mid-January. The NBA, of course, uh tipped off this week. So, Lynchy, how do you feel about uh, professional hockey? You're a Boston guy. Yeah, I'm happy about it. I'm especially happy about the realignment because yeah. uh, they, they've geographically put all the teams together. And if you're a Boston fan, you've got Buffalo, New Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers, you've got the Flyers, you've got the Washington Capitals. And 
and it's great. Um, it'll cut down on the travel. And you know, under the old or the the old alignment, the, the teams like the Bruins couldn't play play a team like the Flyers or the Rangers unless they got to the conference finals. So I think this works. All the Canadian teams are in a division by themselves. And uh, Michael Barr, you don't have to travel too far, but you got uh, a couple of Florida teams in your division out there in the uh, Central. I think it's yes, called. you are correct. So the puck will drop there uh, in mid-January. And, you know, we'll see how both the NHL and the NBA seasons go along. And as of right now, we're going to see baseball. One of the outstanding questions, I think, for all of these leagues is, will there be fans in the stands? Because mm-hmm. a limited amount of people watching baseball games. Nobody obviously watched NHL or NBA last season. I think they're going to see what they can do as the NBA and the NHL go along. Well, If you are at home, as most of us are most days, maybe you've got a Peloton. The home fitness industry, it has been booming, and Peloton stock has gone bananas. It is up more than 400% this year as people try and stay fit and stay home. So, what's Peloton doing? They're using some of that money to buy another company, fitness equipment maker Precore, uh, it's going to improve distribution and maybe get some of those bikes and treadmills to folks a little bit faster. I caught up exclusively with Peloton president William Lynch. Here's what he had to say about the deal. We have seen a ton of growth. Um, no one would wish the global pandemic on anybody, but it's been tailwind for our business as people are home. Huge growth numbers. And so keeping up with that growth, which has been a moving target, has been a big company priority. And so whether it's the investments we've made in Taiwan before this, we've been investing for years now in growing the the, the supply chain. Um, this is one element of that strategy. That's William Lynch, the president of Peloton, catching up with me this week on the heels of announcing a big deal, $420 million to buy pre-core. You know, Lynchy, we talk a lot on this show, whether it's in pro sports or elsewhere, about sort of the haves and the have-nots. When it comes to yep. the business of sports, Peloton, they're a have. They're a have, and they're going to be like Pac-Man. They're going to gobble up uh, yeah. all the competitors uh, all the way around the board, and uh, th- this is their time, as, as Herb Brooks uh, said one time. This is their time right now, and they're taking full advantage of it. So, Barr, you know, one of the big questions when it comes to fitness is, will people go back to gyms eventually? Will that kind of be bad news uh, for Peloton? Doesn't feel like it's going to happen uh, anytime soon. Feels like some fundamental shifts in, in this sector of the sports world. Well, you talk about the have-nots. Uh, some have Pelotons, and others like me have a craftsman, and <laughs> that's about <laughs> it. Uh, so I, I am looking forward. I don't know if going back to the gym is, is going to happen necessarily, but people are going to invest in exercise yeah. equipment. I could see that happening. Peloton, they're leading the way. Absolutely. Today, I am so excited, I know we all are, to be speaking with Bloomberg Opinion columnist, best-selling author, podcaster extraordinaire, Joe Nocera, just the guy that we want to kind of wrap up this crazy, upside-down, turbulent year with. He joins us from out east, as they say. Joe, how the heck are you? I'm good. I'm good. Actually, I think what they say is, are you on the island? Ah, yeah, on, on the, the island. island. You're on I the island. That's what they say. All yeah. right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, taking stock of 2020, let's start there when it comes to sports. We're going to talk a lot about the NCAA as, as the show goes on, but and that's clearly a big part of the story. But as you sort of look at the sports world and the business world and that nexus where you have spent so much time, what do you make of 2020? Well, 
I would name as Sportsman of the Year Adam Silver, mm. the uh, commissioner of the NBA. I mean, he he did it first, and he did it right. They, you know, he was the first. That was the first league to shut down because of COVID. It was the first league to figure out that you could contain the virus in a bubble. And, you know, that, that's what they did um, for all of last season. And even they got themselves a, they got themselves a, a champion named. And so I, I start there. It was the year of COVID. That's just what it was. And, you know, uh, when you look at uh, the professional leagues, um, they more or less have done okay. They've had a lot of cases, but they haven't had any. They don't appear to have any, you know, heart conditions or, or deaths or um uh you know football's being played uh baseball got played uh you know very few people got got in the stands but it was on TV so they they made their from a business standpoint it it worked out in terms of you know making the money from their television contracts college is a different story yeah um college has been kind of a disaster um i think i saw a statistic recently that said uh, of the 650 college football games that were planned uh, or that were scheduled, you know, something like 150 of them got canceled wow. because of COVID. Mm-hmm. There was real, recently a basketball player who, who, who collapsed on the court, and mm-hmm. people think it yeah. might have been an after, after effect of COVID. We're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, down at Duke, uh, Coach Krzyzewski was suggesting that maybe it wasn't such a good idea that everybody is uh, rushing to, um, uh, to, to play games and to, and to get in the NCAA basketball schedule, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more. But, uh, you know, in, 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 the, in the college game, the, what's really problematic about it is that it, it really points out in, in stark, stark fashion the hypocrisies that surround, you know, college sports. First of all, you know, they say that, 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 that the athletes are quote-unquote student athletes who are there to get an education and play a little football on the side, and, and, and here they are being put in a position of, you know, risking their health so that the universities can make the television money that they are so dependent on, that their athletic departments are so dependent on. And, and, and it really points up the extent to which, you know, college sports, you know, is less, less of a sport and more of a business every day. And the business has uh, requirements that have to be met, not the least of which is contractual requirements with the, with the networks, right. uh, because that's the only way that they can fill their coffers. I hate to be judgmental, but I said this earlier, and it's going to come out judge as a judgment. College kids are going to be college kids. And I think that's a major reason why we've seen this spike in collegiate football, basketball, you name it, because college kids are going to go to a party and, and do whatever. I mean, we hear the stories all the time. I, I guess your thoughts about that, am I – Thinking like an old coot, or what's going on? No, I don't think you're thinking like an old coot. But but think about it. You know, they're not wearing masks in the in the in the weight room either. You know, or they're not wearing masks in the in the uh, in the locker room. So even if they were, even if they weren't out partying, they're still not doing any of the masking and social distancing and other things that 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 is generally thought to be what prevents people from getting COVID. Uh, it's just uh, the environment of it, uh, you know, uh, 
causes it to spread. In the pros, you know, you talk about parties, when you're not getting paid to play a sport, <laughs> uh, you know, you don't have a whole lot of incentive not to go to those parties. When you're a professional, making $5 million a year, and they say you need to stay in your hotel room till game time, there's a whole lot more at stake uh, in terms of your livelihood. So, you know, that might explain somewhat the difference between uh, pro and college in terms of COVID. Joe, it looks like college football is going to make it to the finish line. Uh, they may be limping to the finish line, but they're going to make it. The, the sad part about this is is the, the line of demarcation between the haves and the have-nots is really magnified this year with so many schools eliminating such great programs. I look at Clemson, and on full disclosure, my sister went there on a full tennis scholarship. She loves them, but they just eliminated women's track and field, and they have a football facility that includes a barbershop, a bowling alley, miniature golf, a slide, wiffle ball, basketball, a movie theater. How can, how can people sit around and let this happen and let great programs like track and field be eliminated? Well, also, don't forget, this is happening all over the country, and think what yeah. this is going to do to our Olympic efforts. This is where so many Olympic athletes train, swimming, wrestling, track and field, you know, the sports that we really excel at in America um, is, are, are being damaged because of the primacy of football. I mean, it, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, Clemson has, has basically decided football is what matters. And in terms of it being a business, they're right. They're right. The swim team, the wrestling team doesn't make any money. The track and field team doesn't make any money. But it, it is a betrayal, really, of what intercollegiate athletics is supposed to be about. You know? And, and um, it's not supposed to be maximizing revenue on the backs of the football team. It just, and, 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 you know, everybody took a financial hit. Everybody's taken a financial hit this year in, in, in sports, in college sports, except the football and basketball teams. Right. Right. And there's just something, it's just wrong. I mean, it's wrong. It's just something wrong with this. So, Joe, we are really interested and obsessed, I might even say, about the future of college athletics. And we talked with Amy Privet-Perko a couple weeks ago. She is the CEO of the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics. As you know, here's what she had to say in terms of a potential solution, according to her group. We believe that there should be a separate entity created to govern uh football at the at what is currently the FBS level. So the highest level of college football should have its own separate entity, and that entity should be uh, supported and funded by the college football playoff, which a lot of people don't realize is actually, you know, independent of the NCAA. So that is Amy Privet-Perko, head of the Knight Commission, someone you're familiar with. Joe knows Sarah. Does that make sense? Would that solve I, the problem? I, I don't know what she means by governed. Does, does she mean that the NCA would have nothing to do with, uh, with, uh, with top, the top? With FBS. Teams? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'd break it off completely. They'd form I, what's called a National College Football Association is what she said they want to form. Well, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time envisioning how that will actually make things better. Yeah. Because um, you're still going to have the issues that you ha- currently have with the, with the sports that don't make any money. 
you know, with the non-revenue sports. And, you know, you're still going to have the same issues around basketball uh, that you have with football, um, which the NCAA would never give up because that's how it makes all its money. That's where all the money comes from, right? I mean, March Madness. For the NCAA itself, its entire budget comes out of uh, March Madness. That's right. And then it takes a lot of that money and it distributes it to the various schools. Uh, You know, unlike the football playoffs, you know, forgot. I mean, that's really just about the Power Five. As we learned this year, Cincinnati went 8-0. Notre Dame got crushed by Clemson. Clemson, And Notre Dame's in, and and Cincinnati can't get even close to the college football playoffs. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing, but it's a useful digression. No, it's a, but um, it's a really important thing because it, the, the economics and the, everything has been skewed by the Power Five. I think that's just true. It is absolutely true. I mean, what I, I mean here's what I think should happen. I have a different sort of approach to this than, than Amy's. And, and what I would do is I would take the Power Five plus Notre Dame, so that's you know, 66 schools, right? And I would say, okay, you guys, you can do whatever you want. You want to pay the players? Fine. You want to cheat? I mean, you can just, you know, just, just, it's a revenue sport. Treat them as employees, you know, and do the same thing with the 130 basketball schools. And then say to everybody else, look, guys, you can't compete with these guys. So stop trying. You know, it's, it, it, we'll still call you Division One, but you'll operate, and you'll still give scholarships, but you'll operate more like Division Three, where where you you know you're going to have your own your own championship, and 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 your students truly will, your athletes will truly be student athletes, and it'll be a different, it'll just be a different deal, um, and and then the Wayne State of the world and the Eastern Michigans will stop trying to chase the Michigans of the world, and they can, you know. They, they won't be stretching. They won't be playing games against Clemson where they, they're, they're supposed to get beat 75-3 to three so they can get enough money to fund their athletic department. You know, just change the system that way. I got to ask, that's, that's – <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. It sounds harsh, though, because if you tell a Wayne State uh, graduate or alumni, whatever – that uh, yeah okay yeah don't you you you, you really don't count. I, I just wonder if if that would help a Wayne State generate money. Well, it does. It wouldn't have to generate as much money if it didn't. If it wasn't stretching to to play big time college football. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll give you another example. Um, um, historically, uh, the black colleges and universities. You know, they used to be, Grambling used to be a pretty decent Division One football team, right? But those days are long gone. And those athletic departments have budgets of like $15 million compared to, you know, 200-plus for Ohio State, 200 million-plus. And they raise a lot of their athletic department money or a substantial amount from playing these games against nationally ranked teams where they know they're going to lose by 60 points, they're going to be completely overmatched, but they're going to get a million-dollar payday. So, you know, how is that sort of less humiliating than just acknowledging, you know, this doesn't make sense for us anymore as a university or even as an athletic department? So what is the, the solution to this? Don't play the games? Uh, now, up here in New England, UMass no, is scheduled no. to, to... You know, you're, you're up in Boston. There's a good example up there. Remember UMass? 
Yeah. It used to be a college football powerhouse back when they had a Division One AA. You remember that? Yes. Yes, very then they much decided, so. Then they decided for prestige reasons that they had to become Division One, And it has been a disaster. It has been a complete disaster. They lose money. People don't come to the games. They're not any good. They can't recruit. It's, 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 it's dumb. And it doesn't do them any good. And what I say is acknowledge that there's two tiers. Mm. There's a tier of the Alabama and the Notre Dame. You know, and then there's the tier. There's a tier below that, that um, that is never going to compete with the Alabamas. And to just acknowledge, you know, it's a university. It's not a football factory. It just, just accept that you're a university. Not such a bad thing. You always deliver, my man, and I love the spirited debate around the NCAA. You know, I told you uh, offline, I sent you a message on the on the Bloomberg that I actually bought your book, Indentured, for my dad, who uh, worked uh, at a college recently. He's fascinated by the NCAA. And one of the things I was reminded of was so much of what you wrote about in that book a few years ago, I mean, it was super prescient in some ways. It anticipated a lot of the debates were happening. Having now, but what has changed, and and what have been sort of the twists and turns from when you did the research for that book, the reporting for that book, and where we are now? Yeah, I think there's two major changes. Um, the first is that this has gone from being a niche a niche debate um, that just a small fraction of passionate people cared deeply about to being an issue that everybody in the country has some opinion about one way or the other. In other words, it's a debate that's gone mainstream. And you can even see it in Congress, where you have uh, right. somebody like Chris Murphy in Connecticut, who's actually put out a series of reports on how college athletes get screwed. It's really amazing. And then you have somebody else whose name I can't recall, I'm sorry to say, but uh, a senator who put in a bill on uh, name, image, and likeness, uh, rights that basically is uh, copying what the NCA would like to have happen. So it's a bill that's terrible for college athletes. But uh, so so you're seeing this debate even taking place uh, in the United States Senate. So that's 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 number one. The second thing that's happened um, is that after the O'Bannon case that I wrote about, where the NCA was declared to be in violation of antitrust laws, but the remedy was very very minimal. Uh, there was a second case that came in right behind it called the Austin case. Uh, Sean Austin was a West Virginia running back. And um, that case also went, what was tried in Oakland, California, also went to the Ninth Circuit in California, and also um, came out with the NCAA being declared an antitrust violator. So that's pretty clear by now. But in that case, they said that... Um, while players still shouldn't be paid, you know, cash, they could get any any benefit, including money, that was quote unquote education related. Now this is a hole that a truck could drive through, right. a loophole. So, you know, the, the 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 advocates for the players were actually pretty happy about all of that, more or less. But the NCAA was so upset that they um uh they appealed it to the Supreme Court. And the big surprise is that the Supreme Court took the case. Yeah. So that case is going to be heard in the spring and probably decided in the summer. And frankly, if you're an advocate for players 
and you want you think they should be paid, you're nervous. A uh, six to three conservative court, uh, you just got to think to yourself, the reason they took this case can't be good for the players. You answered this earlier out of the four major sports. The NBA did it the best. But which sport would you say could have done a heck of a lot better in their efforts, not only with COVID, but just trying to keep focused on the season? Well, it's a, that's, that's a little hard to say. I think I think I do think that uh, basketball, women's basketball, soccer, and hockey all did a pretty good job. But they were all allowed to be in that bubble. You can't do the bubble in football and baseball. I mean, football really. Football has sort of ignored COVID more than than the other sports, and I mean they even have a a thing. Have you seen this where they, you know, they have two kind of injury lists now? Right. Yeah. In football, they have a regular injury list and then they have a COVID injury list. Yeah. If you play fantasy sports, you know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are people who think that Cam Newton's play has been, you know. Uh, gone downhill. They thought, there are some people who definitely think it's COVID related, although he denies that. But I think football is the one because it just it, it hasn't sort of faced up to COVID. It's kind of just tried to ignore it and make it go away as much as possible. And uh, you know, just even the, that that situation where they had that that Monday night or it was actually supposed to be a Sunday night game that wound up getting played on a Wednesday, the Steelers against somebody. So I would say football, but 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 on the whole, you know, I think the pros have just done a relatively decent job, and the colleges have done a relatively miserable job. Steelers against Baltimore, by the way, I think that's yeah, that's right, that's right, against the Ravens, that's right. Joe, was the turning point for this uh, explosion of, of Division One college football and filling their coffers? Did can you trace it back to that 1984 court decision, which? you know, really uh, nailed the yes. NCAA and allowed teams to uh, make their yep. own TV deals? You, want, you 100% can do that. And um, if um, if Walter Byers, who ran the NCAA back then, hadn't been such a stubborn old coot, this thing could have been settled and could have been dealt with in a much more reasonable way. But because he refused, he was an all-or-nothing kind of guy, he got nothing. And, and, and so that, that, that court case, uh, the, the major powers, took the NCAA to court saying, you can't control our TV schedules. Don't forget back then, you know, uh, you could get, you'd get one national game and one regional game, and that was it. That's, you could only be on TV twice until the, until the Bulls. That, that was the way it worked. And they said, we want to be on TV a whole lot more. And once they took that away from the NCAA, once they had control of that, th- then all the money flowed to them, and they could see uh, how much wealth could be created. Uh, through television. Don't forget also back then, um, most of these schools made their bulk of their money from ticket sales. And it wasn't really until they broke free from the NCAA on television that they realized that the real golden goose was not people in the stands, but the television contracts. Right. And that's why today, you know, they can... You know they won't make as much money, but they will still make money without anybody in the stands. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we've talked about that with the AD of Rutgers and many others, and 
you know, as someone who grew up with big time college football down south, I think about the SEC network and all of the Big Ten uh, network and all of those uh, regional sports networks or the conference sports networks uh, that really are about uh, football more than anything. All right. In the minute we have left, Joe Nocera, what's the Joe Nocera plan for 21? Are we going to see the shrink next door on Apple? Are we going to see a follow up podcast? You're working on a book. Like what's happening? Yeah. All right. So first of all, uh, yeah, they're shooting. They're shooting the shrink next door right now in California with Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, and Katherine Hahn. So, very excited about that. I think it'll. I think it will air in the fall. Um, and for and those of I you am, who don't know what that is, first of all, shame on you. It was the number one podcast of 2019. Joe Nocera hosted it. It has now been turned into a movie that will, as he said, uh, show on Apple TV. And so you have a few months to get into it, listen to it over uh, the holiday. Anyway, go ahead, Joe. And, and then um, I am working on a book with Bethany McLean um, about COVID and the economy. We'll have nothing to do with sports whatsoever. All right. Well, we won't have you to talk uh, about that, but we also know, to your point, uh, that, you know, 21 is going to be a huge year uh, for college sports and the future of the NCAA and the future of athletes and name, image, and likeness and all of those things. That Supreme Court case, we know we'll be talking to you about that. Uh, and, and I will be here to opine it a pine about it on your show. We will, can't wait. Can't wait. Best to you and yours, Joe Nocera. We really appreciate it. So, guys, Joe Nocera, I love talking to him. I mean, a great way to, to end the year in many ways because I do think that when you look beyond the success of the NBA, the whatever of the NFL, and I think that's still to be determined, we do know that college sports is fundamentally changed. And as he said, 21 is going to be a massive year in terms of how we look at college sports going forward, Barr. It is. And and I, <laughs> we have an old saying in Detroit, my man brings it. And I, I like that enthusiasm, man. And what he said about the, you know, when you talk about a Wayne State or, you know, trying to play Michigan, whatever, I get exactly what he's saying. And, and I wonder if one solution to that is kind of what we do now. We rank the, the collegiate teams one through 25, whatever. And now you want to see people fight to get on that one through 25 list. Okay, let that be the list that you're talking about. Mm. And then if you don't make it, hey, you know, you, you got to do something. Lynchy, I mean, one takeaway clearly is it's broken. Like, it, 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 yeah. it, it needs to be fixed, right? Absolutely. And it, this is going to come down to the haves and the have-nots. And I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Uh, he made a great, great point about some of these non-revenue sports being the training ground, basically, for our Olympic athletes. Track and field, uh, wrestling, swimming and diving, which have been eliminated at many of... And we're not talking like Division three schools. We're talking, you know, I, I gave Clemson as an example uh, right off the top, but there's been some other Cincinnati and... Uh, you know, where are these athletes going to train now for, for the Olympics? Well, Stanford was the example that everybody points to, right? I mean, yeah. that was such yeah. an Olympic breeding ground in, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. And so you, you look at that, and, and I think we said this on the show earlier in the year, sort of like, if Stanford can't figure this out, I mean, uh, yeah, I what, what's going to happen? My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business and Sports, the number of the week. 
All right, Mr. Barr, the final version. Good Lord, number of the week. Oh, yes, yes, We did not yes. do this in your absence, by the way, because I don't know. I just didn't want Lynchy to embarrass me. Oh, and away we go. Costco, uh, they are selling some expensive sports memorabilia online. Now, you can get a Babe Ruth autographed baseballs going for uh, about $64,000. What I want... <laughs> is there's a Ty Cobb autograph bat. Yeah, and I'll be at fair. Costco? At Costco? Online at Costco. Okay. For what? the low, low price of this number, and it's priced like Costco. Now, I should add that I think he signed this in the 40s. Okay. So that, that's an important factor because – I don't think it was during his playing days. I think it was in the, during the 40s. But if you're buying it at Costco, shouldn't you get like 30 of them? <laughs> Isn't yeah. that the whole thing? <laughs> and you get a roll of toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. In All right. <laughs> buying it in bulk. Um, now, again, I'm going to say this. It's priced just like you're at Costco. All right. Um, so you said the Babe Ruth ball is 64000 About $64,000. Ty Cop, um, I'm going to say... <laughs> Nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. Lindsay. Nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. No, if it's high carb. I'm going like, uh, what'd you say, sixty-four thousand for Babe Ruth? About and, sixty-four thousand uh, dollars. I'm gonna double. Listen that. to my words. About sixty-four thousand dollars. About. I'm gonna. Sixty-four thousand uh, dollars. Oh, so there's a hint I'm, here. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go like a hundred and thirty-five thousand. Well. I have to admit, Lynch is closer. But Jason had the right idea. It's priced at $159,999.99. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. So, all right. Well, that, yeah, I guess that it. So, that's, so, yeah, it's worth that much more. I, w- I would think a Babe Ruth ball would be worth more than a Ty Cobb bat, no? Well, uh, the Babe Ruth ball is, like I said, around, well, actually 63999 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Can but we get to the heart of, why is Costco selling this? That's a good question. And, and I and I was reading that again, and I'm like, yeah, why are you, do I have to bring my membership card? What do I got to do yeah, with that? Yeah, exactly. Get I still think they they should be selling them in bulk, like a package, right, Lynching? You know, it's like, you get a ball, <laughs> you get a bat, you get, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, we uh, we Willie Keeler, uh, <laughs> hat. Yeah, my like, question is, where do you find these things every week, Bar? I mean, like you know, we, we all surf the web and yeah. and everything, everything you've come up with. It's, I've never run across any of these things. Well, you can find it, everybody, men and women, right on the Bloomberg terminal. There you go. Nice, nice plug, nice plug. That's just for the bosses, right there. All right, you've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time plus online wherever you get your podcast catch those mondays wednesdays and thursdays i'm jason kelly find me on twitter at jason kelly news happy happy holidays everyone and i'm mike lynch you can follow me at lynchy wcvb happy holidays to everyone happy holidays everybody i'd sing but then they throw me off the air uh, i'm michael barr on twitter at big bar sports you're listening to bloomberg business of sports from bloomberg radio around the world happy holidays everybody happy holidays happy holidays happy holidays